came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah, we came a long way. Hey, what's up? What's going on? And welcome to the Be Real Podcast, where we keep it real on social issues, history, news, faith, and everything in between. It's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content. Now, it's time to get real with your host, Brandon Mosley. You already know I'm going to tell you. Swag it out. I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's what the song say. Do all things. You could do all things. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's what the song say. I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, you guys? This once again, Brandon Mosley, your host of the Be Real Podcast. Thank you for showing up again. This is season two. I repeat, this is season two. Thank you for rocking with me for the whole first season. And also, hopefully, you enjoyed the bonus episode with me and my guy, uh, David, the 90s kids. Um, something to get us away from s- some serious topics. and Just have a little fun. I think that was necessary. And look out for that. If you want to see more of that, um, for other bonus episodes, please, please, please feel free to message me through my Anchor app. Um, you can find the link at any of the at the bottom of my um, podcast on any of the uh, places that you listen to my podcast. So just send me a message, or you can also email me. I'll have that link for you as well in the show notes. But uh, please, yeah, I want to hear from you guys. Also, also, if you're enjoying this podcast, which I'm, I'm getting listeners from all over, and I appreciate it. I want to know how you feel about it, so let me know. Hit me up, and also give me a five-star review, um, and also write a review. Let people know, share it, tell people about this podcast, because the more you tell people, the more they listen and the more they learn just like you, and possibly you'll enjoy it as as much as you do. So with that being said, y'all, we have an amazing, amazing guest on this podcast. This episode is politicking with Tissa Rodriguez. Um, She's going to really inform you guys about local, national uh, politics and also the difference between the Republican and Democratic Party as she sees it. So I think it's really important to enjoy it. But I want to quickly tell you guys a story about how did I even get into politics from the very beginning. Um, I always, always loved like CNN, C-SPAN, stuff like that as a kid. Um, I remember watching debates as a child. Um, I think one of my biggest, how can I say, one of my memories that really strike me is when our president, President Clinton, was going through the impeachment and also the trial in the Senate. And this is, you know, in the 90s. I want to say this is like 98, 99-ish. And... I literally watched the whole thing through, okay, um, every single day. And that just kind of like fed my my fire in in politics and to see what was going on. And it, it kind of led me to become a political science major and also to intern on Capitol Hill when I was in college. It, it kind of, all those things pushed me uh, towards that. And now I, I teach government. So always love politics, always love government. Um, so yeah, with that being said, I think this is an amazing episode. Please enjoy. Um, so yeah, 
Enjoy. Hey guys, we have a guest, uh, kind of in studio. We're still dealing with the Zoom, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. So uh, go right ahead. Hi, my name is Tisa Rodriguez. I'm the chair of the Riverside County Democratic Party. Uh, Riverside County is in uh, Southeast California, just sitting out here. Um, uh, it's it's a cool area to, to live in because it's the fourth largest county in the state. Um, I work with all different kinds of Democrats in our capacity. Like, I mean, this is the size of, of a state on the, you know, a state in some locations. And um, I'm just really excited to be here. Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Tissa, for uh, just coming and uh, speaking with us, especially what, what, what's going on in politics today. Um, it's it's kind of crazy out there, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you know that. But before we get into that, we want to kind of uh, figure out what exactly do you do as the chair of the Riverside County Democratic Party? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I like to call myself the volunteer-in-chief for the county. Um, for me, what it really means is just a reminder that um, – all politics is, you know, based in hard work. So uh, by what I mean by that is that I spend a lot of time building relationships. Um, I talk to a lot of people about running for office, about what they do once they're in office. Um, I do quite a lot of work um, that's not so exciting, but spreadsheets. I do a lot of building lists, kind of working with people on the nuts and bolts. But honestly, Every successful campaign out there is run by volunteers, building lists, talking to people, having conversations, kind of doing the little bit of every days. Um, oddly enough, the person who puts it best to me is uh, Pete Buttigieg. He calls it the local mucky muck because you, <laughs> you got just enough of a title that um, it sounds impressive, but you're still grinding. You're still having conversations. You're still um, lining things up raising money, spend a good amount of time raising money, um, and then trying to get that money into everyday races at local levels and then trying to get the electeds to do the right thing. Yeah, so it sounds like you're on the, the ground level really making things work and connect. So with that being said, like how many years have you been involved with the Riverside County uh, Democratic Party and like what got you involved? Oh gosh, um, I was involved a long time before I moved to Riverside County, but um, I've been with the Riverside County Democratic Party for 12 years, um, and a lot of that time I've spent just doing committee work, uh, doing a lot of supporting candidates, a lot of supporting um, the very basic, like checking in members, you know, making sure that um, everybody's registered and, you know, doing voter reg and member reg and then running just little elections here and there in Riverside County. Um I first got involved with Riverside County when I moved here. Um, I moved here uh, to really to buy a home, but I, I moved here because it was an area that reminded me as much as possible of where I'm actually from, but with a little bit more growth. I'm from Imperial County, and, and quite frankly, there's not a lot of resources in Imperial County. Um, we just don't have a lot. You know, I moved away for college. And um, I was involved with as much Democratic stuff as I could in Imperial County, moved to uh, Thousand Oaks, where I was the vice president of the uh, California Lutheran University uh, Young Democrats. 
um, worked a lot of little voter reg, just little candidates, campaigns, uh, interned for a couple of, uh, of electeds there, and just always kept going. Um, much deeper than that, honestly, like things like voter reg, phone banking, knocking on doors has always been a theme of my life. Um, my first political meeting, I was two weeks old. Two weeks old. Uh, you know, my dad literally just took me to a political meeting that it was for Diane Feinstein because it was like, got to go see the fam. And it was like, well, we're here. Well, got to bring Tisa in San, up in San Francisco. And that was my first political meeting. I was two weeks old and it, it, we stayed for the whole thing because that's what we do. Yeah, I've got um, on my, my dad's side, it's straight up farm worker movement. Cesar Chavez, the whole thing. And on my mom's side, it's straight up civil rights movement. You know, all involvement in the black churches and in civil rights on that side. So I come from two legacies where you pick up a pen and register people to vote or don't complain. That's, that's a great way to put it. So with that being said, I know there's a lot of people who are, who are listening and want to, they want to get involved like you. So how did you get involved and how can they get involved? I want to preface this by saying, always advocate for yourself. So, because what I'm going to talk about is very, very nuts and bolts, but always toot your own horn while you're doing it. So number one, find the spot that you are very good at. If you are someone who is very good at getting people to do things. Like if you're that person who was, you know, able to get people to put the right candy bars in the, in the, the bins at high, in high school, or if you were that person who was able to get an extra stop sign, you know, at a place of need in your community, then you may be a communicator and a networker and you just don't know it yet. So you may be, that may be it. You may be the person with the petition trying to get Prop 16 on the ballot. Um, and that's critical because that was a lot of signatures. Um, if you're just not sure what you're good at, voter reg, voter reg, voter reg. Literally sitting there having conversations either in person or virtually and just like helping people figure out why they should vote seems small. But when you multiply that by all of the other people who need to get that done and you look at the margins on some of these elections, that's important. But always, I would say, if you want to stay involved, always talk about what you did. Do the work and then walk, walk the talk, but really talk it up. Talk about what you want to do and then keep an eye out. Um, one of the things that I did was not recommended at all, but I did it, is at one point I wanted to know what the California Democratic Party Executive Board did. And I was a delegate. I got a random email saying, hey, do you want to run for... Um, the DNC member. It's like, well, what's a DNC member? Nobody would tell me. They're like, oh, you, you won't like it. You won't like it. And then, but the thing was that you got a free pass to go to the e-board. So I'm like, I'm running. Okay. So I, you know, I drove down to San Diego and took my free ticket and I just looked around and I asked a lot of questions and I made a lot of inroads off of that. So sometimes all you have to do is say yes and get a little uncomfortable. And just ask all the questions. And I say, if you do all those things together, you can shake some things up. And just be a little bit fearless. You know, just um, put yourself out there. It will not feel comfortable, but you will make space for yourself. That sounds good. Um, and, and with that being said, on the national side, because I know we have listeners throughout the country. Um, my question first is, what makes a Democratic Party so sure 
that it's the best option for the future of this country? Oh, gosh. I don't know that they that there's really a reason. I think it's just kind of blind faith. But I can tell you why I think that's true. Um, I think that's true is because the, the Democratic Party is – it looks like it's consistent on the top. But underneath, we are always reshaping ourselves. We always have new voices coming up. We always have new people who are getting involved in the system. Um, we, we have a way of challenging ourselves that the Republican Party does not have at the grassroots level, which means it'll look the same for a while, and all of a sudden you have these big changes um, and additional opportunities. And that, to me, is the best possible route for change. But I, I think of change not as next week we're going to have something different. I think of change like, like you know, I, I do genealogy. So in my genealogy, I can point back to my white slave ancestors who were Democrats in the South, you know, and they were pretty powerful Democrats in the South and they're all in that early Virginia legislature and with what the Democratic Party was. And then I look at where I am now as someone who is only one of two black women in the state of California sitting in this position, but at least there are two of us, you know, and how far this country had to come for that to happen and how many changes that had to happen since, I mean, what, 1865? Oh my God, like 1870 really, but um, that means that there were a lot of flips in there and the party had to change so many times. Um, I think of all my my family members who were involved during the civil rights movement and how they flipped and pushed into the Democratic Party. I think of someone I keep seeing popping up a lot in the next couple of days, a lot for good reason, but Fannie Lou Hamer, women like that, who made so much change, but we had these moments, right? The Democratic Party is prone to these moments that create drastic change if we fight for them. And so I think the Democratic Party is that party for us if we fight for it. I don't see that in the Republican Party, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think it's it's easy to say that there's no perfect party because this has to be such a big umbrella to fit so many people in. Um, but it looks like the Democratic Party is trying to fit people in. Um, so with that being said, with having such a large platform and trying to cover so many so so much ground and having so many critical issues in America today, I mean, before the pandemic, we already had so many issues and we had the pandemic and George Floyd and these these things were already systemic issues that wasn't addressed. Um, and now the Democratic Party, you know, bidding to overtake, you know, Trump, what would you say is the most critical critical piece of the Democratic platform in your estimate and why? You see, this is, this is one that I have a lot of feelings about because I, I worked on the platform committee. Like I literally worked on the democratic platform. Um, and I have a whole bunch of things that, that we worked on that are great and that are in there, but I have a whole lot of other work that I did not make it in that I would really love to get in. I can tell you, I'm going to fight for it to get into the, um, the California democratic party platform too. But, um, uh, some of the biggest things is, some. Um, more important are there's a lot of acknowledgments of humanity in there 
And I feel like it's a first step. I would have rather have taken several steps at one time. That's just my personality because I'm like, we can leap. Come on, guys. But there's a lot of basic acknowledgments that have never happened in the platform. It's kind of like assumed. You know, we, we know that Native Americans people, we know that, you know, Black women have value. We have to stop stepping on Black women. You know that, you know, I, I we had um, some language we put together to literally say that Black Lives Matter. And while we were able to get everyone under the sun to say that, we were not able to get that into the platform. So I feel like that glaring absence, but all of the other language around it, it's a step. But I'm looking for a leap. Um, there's a lot of additional language in there now about the environment that are very big critical steps towards creating that change. Because the platform is the moral compass by which we hold all of our democratic candidates, you know, and expect them to kind of work in that vein, because that's where a lot of people are putting their information in. But, but here's the thing is, and a lot of people don't realize this, but they, the platform changes officially, it changes during, um, you know, during the presidential election year. But there's a lot of incremental change that comes into the system. I served on the, the rules committee for the DNC, for the convention rules, but the regular rules committee that meets um, once a quarter, they set those additional changes, right? Which means that people like us can lobby them to make these changes and to make that voice. And because of the way the system all works together, we can... You know, honestly, the nice part of me says urge, but I'm not in an urging kind of mood. You know, we got too many people dying. Um, we can make them make these changes. So for me, the most important parts of the platform are the areas where we know we need to take some leaps instead of some nudges. And and I'm, I'm working on some of those leaps. So just for clarification for my listeners, the places that you would like to leap is around the Black Lives Matter, not the group, but the actual term that black lives actually matter and see that in legislation or in policy. We need to literally say that black lives matter. And um, in another area that we really need to work on that my language got kicked out, but we're going to stay focused on it is having a process for when people have allegations of misconduct. You know, we went through this whole exercise with the CDP to have a process the DNC does not have a process. Um, they literally had a member of the host committee resign because of misconduct allegations, because she was being sexually harassed. Um, if you look at a lot of the allegations in the past, a lot of them, unfortunately, has been harassment, including a lot of harassment of black women. And yes, people get settlements, but honestly, I would really rather have a process to address concerns makes sense, then to have um, reaction. Action, not reaction, expectation. Um, and these are things that we need to focus on because this is really a big organization, you know, and we owe it to every person out there to be able to have that kind of accountability. But I think those are kind of my two big things. We need to be a lot stronger on black lives, on rights. We need to be a lot more acknowledging of systemic racism and we need to be very clear about it. 
you know, about, about what's happening and very frank about it. Cause we're not going to have real conversations until we get real honest. Yeah. And I, I would say that's, that's the conversation that I had with a lot of people that we can't have a conversation about systemic racism. If there's not a, a, a basic knowledge and understanding what it actually is and how it affects um, society in a whole. Um, so that, that, that's the really great point. And, and in terms of that, we see, um, Joe Biden, um, you know, leading the polls and hopefully for many, many people who are leaning left that he does win. Um, um, but here's the, here's the deal. Um, just like Hillary Clinton, there, there are factions of people who happen to look like me and you, um, and also younger as well, um, that finds themselves saying, and, and a lot of them might not even been born at this time, and they just see, you know, clips of the 94 crime bill. And you talked about sexual harassment, Anita Hill with Clarence Thomas. So you, you see that trial, you see what happened on the Hill there. Um, and, you know, he, he, he led the charge and he was the face for those two big incidents. And people see that and say, you know, if we couldn't trust, you know, Hillary Clinton after saying, you know, calling young African-American t- teens super predators. Not just gangs of kids anymore. They are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heal. And the president has asked the FBI to launch a very concerted effort. And he's on the floor using similar terms. How can I give him my vote? So what can you say to kind of help put them at ease in saying that? Because a lot of them will will say that, well, Trump and Biden, is, it's the same people. Like they say, Hillary Clinton and, and Trump's the same person. I don't agree with that at all, but that is the sentiments of many people that are young. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've heard that a lot. And during the primary, I supported Bernie Sanders. That was my guy. And, you know, he came out right out and, you know, straight out with black lives, systemic racism, universal health care, just all these different things. And, and I, I felt the best about that. But here's the thing about, about Joe Biden is, will I say that he's a perfect person? No. Will I say that he does not have, I mean, he has a large record. Will I say that his record makes him like a perfect friend and ally into all of us? No. But here's the thing. He is definitely not Donald Trump. He is not currently walking around in the White House giving anybody who comes near him COVID. <laughs> you know, that a basic, basic thing there. He's definitely not running around infecting people with COVID and calling himself a hero. Um, he can be impressed upon to do the right thing and in fact has moved on a number of issues and can be pushed more and more and more to get them done. Will he be a perfect president? No, he will not. But he can be taught, you know, and don't let the president that you elect today take your eyes off of what you actually want to see down the line. So it's not necessarily that you have to vote for Joe Biden. You need to vote for bringing the country back to basic sanity, not having people lose their homes over stupidity, um, over not having, you know, people losing their health care over ego. 
basic things because we can have disagreements with Joe Biden and have debates and have people actually you know, elect other people who will go in and advocate. We can do those things. We can't do that with Donald Trump. That's the basic difference. There can be a dialogue and a way of working with people. I mean, and I can say that, especially coming from California, because if the VP is coming from California, guess how much of our operation is going to be right out here, you know, in, in working. And we have a lot of progressives that are in her ear saying, look, you got to bring things back, you know, regardless of what your record is, too. You got to like you got to get back to the people and what the people actually need. But the very basic thing to me is the sense of humanity and the sense that each candidate has about our humanity. Donald Trump does not think we are people. I'll say that again because there's too many people who get confused on that point. The way he talks about black and brown people, he does not think we are people. But Joe Biden does. And that fact alone means that our needs can be considered that he has to deal with us. If we're out there saying, you know, with our signs saying you will not let us die, you will fix some of these problems. That's a person we can actually negotiate with and actually talk to. Um, Donald Trump will just not do it because he does not believe we are people. Yeah, I think that's interesting to, to bring up the idea of the, the imperfect president. I mean, Lyndon Baines Johnson was not the perfect president in idea to bring the 64-65 act. But he was the perfect person because he had him and honestly, him and Biden very are very similar in my mind. Kennedy picked LBJ for to get win the South. Obama picked him to win that Northern Belt and older white voters over. So it just they're very similar in that case, and that they're willing, they're good people that are flawed that are willing to do the right thing if you if you make it make sense to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and honestly, if you would like to have the perfect president. I'm sure there are people at home right now with kids. You're probably raising that person. Don't don't look to these people that are in power now to be perfect. Look to the future. And and I would say, um, in in terms of you know speaking of Nita Hill and things that the bring brought up, I know at least reading and and, and watching some interviews, she has openly endorsed. Um, Biden to be president says she's willing to even work with him. She does hold him responsible as chairman, but does not think it should rule him out as a candidate. I don't think it's, it has disqualified him. He's, a, he's a perfectly capable of running for president. Nor does she put him on a par with President Trump, who's been accused and denied allegations of sexual assault. Absolutely not. I, I, I've never said that and I've never intended to say that. And I'm not even sure that anything I've said has actually hurt Joe Biden's campaign. He still is leading in the polls. Could you conceive of voting for Joe Biden if he turns out to be the Democratic nominee against Donald Trump? Of course I could. And I know with the 94 crime bill, and I just want to impress upon my listeners who haven't listened to um, Black on Black Crime, The Mythbuster, or the School to Prison Pipeline episodes that I have, the 94 crime bill was backed by uh, the Congressional Black Caucus and a lot of African-American mayors and the African-American community. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's crazy to think about, but that's just, that's the reality and the world was in a different place. And I'm happy, you get, we get to see the progression of the world and the progression of Joe Biden um, and even bringing on you know, different ideas in the platform because he understands the African-American vote has brought him here. Yeah, I think they, they really thought that they were doing, I think everyone really thought they were being very progressive and they were doing something there. 
you know, I mean, same thing with three strikes and oh my God, but you know, all these things are, it, we have to give people the opportunity to grow from that. And then if they don't grow, we have to give them a moral shove. Um, and that's just where we're at, you know, I mean, and, and Trump has had plenty of opportunities to, to move forward and to grow and we need to give him a moral shove out of the white house. Yeah. He's, he's been realistically, he's been campaigning and being the same since 2015. He's never transitioned into being a president. Um, and that, and that's, that's scary to say the least, but on the, on the, on the local side of things, um, a lot of times people say, I don't, I don't care about the, the, the elections. I'm not voting and so forth and so on. But one thing they, they really miss is the local side. Could you speak to the importance of voting due to just local politics and policy? Um, it is actually the most important part of your ballot. Um, just thinking about just the COVID response, right? Um, the city that I live in, our city council is awesome. We have a majority millennial. We have a majority minority city council, and they just shut things down immediately. They were like, nope, rent protections in place. You know, they just kind of, they got people's nuts and bolts done so that people can go about their business safely. Um, my cousin lives in Atlanta, and his wife is literally, literally a nurse in the hospital. And they, for a long time, got either like no information or they got this weird mixed communication that said, Oh, just go do what you, you know, do, do what you do. It's fine. Go about your business, you know, whatever. And I'm talking to him. I'm like, but the CDC says you have a big hot spot like right here in a majority black, you know, neighborhood. That's like, that's by you. Right. It's like, Oh no, no, it's fine. My wife's a nurse. It's fine. This is, they're saying it's okay. And it's just a problem for you guys out West. That's local government that was saying it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. If you have good response of local government, then they will step up to at least help address your needs, at least tell you how to protect yourself. They're your first line of defense. If you have good school boards, they'll work to bring the resources into your school. They'll do things like uh, the district here has where they have um, bridge programs so that the students, if you have, you're going from your senior and you want to start taking college classes early, you can get early pre-acceptance. It's a whole thing. They build these partnerships, but these are hyper-local things that are not controlled at all at state government. They're controlled higher, you know, and then you have just making sure that people care. The One of the people who's on our board of supervisors here locally, um, when they started having talks about coming out of pandemic protection, and so many people had said that black and brown people are being adversely affected in this county. Um, so it was like, well, let's bring in an expert. So they brought in, you know, the, the head epidemiologist. They brought in some people to do some statistics and to talk about it. And so the, the person gets up to talk about percentages, this many black people, this many Hispanic people. Da, 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 this and so this supervisor, she interrupted the person. She said, let me stop you here. I don't need to hear about all that other stuff. That's irrelevant. She said irrelevant. And she said, can you please tell me how many white people have contracted coronavirus? And the person's like, um, let me go to that. She's like, no, 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 that's my question. And so the, the, the expert gave the number and then she cut her off. 
because that's all she wanted to talk about. This is the County Board of Supervisors, the people who are bringing resources in for the county, right, to help combat this and who are making a decision about whether to open our county up. This is a local election seat. And if you look at the specific race that she came up for, that she, she was elected in, very low voter turnout, very low, very low. She's up in 2022. You know, she's a target for me because you don't just say we're only going to talk about white people. In, not in my county. That's not going to happen. But this happens all over the country because people do not pay attention to these local races. They want to go vote for the top person. They don't vote for the person who's making policy based on their gut feelings and their prejudices. You need to vote for people who actually reflect your values, people who you can contact. If you need to, people you can shame into doing the right thing, and preferably people with the common sense and the training to know better who will actually just do the right thing without being prompted. Yeah, um, I think that's for a lot of time. A lot of people, they will say it's kind of difficult for them because life, you know, life is being thrown at them. And I, I believe once you, I guess once you decide what party you think closely aligns with your beliefs and your core values, I think it does really does you some favor to kind of lean on them for help and support to, to get you some of that research if you don't want to do it at all yourself. So I know you guys provide some of those resources as well and voting guides. Where, where could they find those if, if necessary? So we have, um, we actually have a whole we have a whole page up. We have the guides. We have um, your ballot locations. We have your voting, in-person voting locations, all that up on RiversideCountyDemocrats.org. Um, if you want to know about it throughout the state of California, you can go to um, KDEM.org. Um, nationally, though, there is a bit of a network through the DNC. So I would encourage everyone to check out the DNC website also because what it does is it hooks you into some of the different states. Um, there's a couple of states that are very good right now. Very, very good. Um, I, I've heard a lot of great things actually about the Georgia Democratic Party is really stepping up and their voter hotline is on it. They've got people, they're going to answer your questions, they're going to help you fix your voter registration. And there's a number of these different states that are all hooked together, but the DNC is acting like a bit of an information hub so that everyone can, can find the link that they need to talk to somebody. So with that being said, I know you brought up the COVID issue and things of that nature, what would you say is the policy suggestions that the county Riverside, county Riverside Democrats would like to see in terms of the COVID response and police brutality? Well, I'll start with the, the COVID response because there's quite a bit going on with the police brutality. Um, so the COVID response, our position is really that we want everyone to be safe and we don't feel like, you know, randomly opening and closing every other week so people can have haircuts is going to do it. That it's kind of, it's a waste of our energy. We have, um, we have a, a large percentage of young people in this County and, you know, they think they're invincible. Um, but the biggest thing with the COVID response is we do not have resources equally divided in every single part of the County. And a lot of that is just systemic racism. And that's a very long-term problem. That's unfortunately going to be a, a you know, we're never going to solve it in our lifetimes, but we can achieve a little bit of equity by just making sure that some of these materials get to some of the more remote places where they're needed. Um, we need to take a little bit more to bring the cities a little bit more in line because it does no good for my city to be, 
you know, following restrictions and shutdowns and Temecula down the way to be all the way open, encouraging everyone to be in the bars. Um, we need to have more uniformity and to be safer and to consider the needs of everyone a lot better. And a lot of that happens at the county level. So we really would like to see the county kind of take more control and seriousness of the situation. But here's the difficulty. We have, it's a Republican majority very slightly, um, one of which is a libertarian who is specifically trying to open the entire county up because he only cares about business. And I know that because I get all his newsletters, whether whether I unsubscribe once, twice, or 25 million times. I keep getting all his newsletters talking about business and this and that. And, and you know, all he cares about is, is business because that's what's going to keep him, you know, in his seat. So um, we're going to have to just make better decisions. We're going to have to push these people into doing the right thing. And some of it is just going to come from the governor. He keeps telling them no. So he might just need to keep telling them no for a while. Um, police brutality, I sincerely believe we have to stop doing this chicken or the egg dance. We really have to stop doing this. So we have all of these individual cities, and many of these cities are saying because Riverside County has, you know, this this contract policing system. The cities are saying all they're doing is just going through the menu. The county approves a menu of services, and we have to just pick what we want from each part of the menu, and that's all we can have, and we can't do anything else. That's their argument. The county is saying. All we can do is rubber stamp this agreement and then let the cities decide on the specifics that they want. We can't do anything else. Somewhere in there, someone has to take responsibility. And I've, I've, had, I've had this conversation a lot, but someone has to take responsibility for what that's actually going to look like um, as a whole. And someone actually has to be where the buck stops. If the main contracting authority in Riverside County for policing is the county board of supervisors, then they have the power to add provisos and writers and stuff onto that. So what needs to happen is more voices in the process. So what's happening now is I can't personally be a part of it because I'm a elected democratic official, but I know a whole lot of other people that are fine and happy and their voices are in the conversation and I'm glad they're in there. Um, but what needs to happen is these, um, these they're having these discussion meetings, you know, and forming advisory panels. So what needs to happen is they need to get to the point where they have teeth, hopefully quickly, and they actually need to put restrictions on these contracts. Um, having dealt with a great many contracts for, um, for transportation infrastructure, I know that government can put restrictions on contracts. You can say that you have to use union labor. You can say that you have to, you know, you have to have equal wages. You can say that you have to perform at certain levels. You can say that you can't have certain accident rates. There's a lot of things that you can say. You can also say that you have to have better hiring requirements. You can also say that you have to actually give more training to your, um, to your police recruits before you release them in the field. You can say that you are required to have higher standards of reporting and you're required to wear body cams and you're required, you know, all of these things. You can just build a lot of these things in here and say, look, this is the master contract we're offering you. Take it 
or we'll do something else. And I really think that tying stuff to the money, the bottom line dollar is where it happens. You know, instead of the way it works now where it's like piecemeal, 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 just give us more money, more money, more money. Oh, by the way, you don't have any authority over the way we're doing this. That's wrong. The sheriff is wrong for doing that, for saying that I am the one who gets to decide and I'm not going to tell you who's going to be involved and I'm not accountable to you for the results is wrong. I truly believe we have to tie it back to the money and then you can divest or anything else you would like to do, anything, once you have your hand on the money. And everyone is avoiding that responsibility of saying who the buck stops with. But the checks are still getting cashed. And I know talking with you and working, trying to work with you with the nine points, that's been a lot of it, just going back in circle, trying to figure out, talking to different city council members and um, supervisor board and things of that nature. And all all keeps coming back, pointing at other other people. Um, and, and it seems like all the things that, you know, I would hope to see could definitely happen if money was definitely tied into yeah. it. Same on the federal level with the COPS program that they have with the federal money. Um, but I mean, it's definitely possible. And we, we see at least a little, a little change with the community board that unfortunately is not what we wanted in terms of a more fair and just way to have people a part of it in terms of maybe being elected or making sure it's diverse. Um, but it's more selective and that's the fear. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. See who, who is selected. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the fear that I have there is the same thing. I, same concern I have with grand juries. We don't talk enough about, cause it's the same thing, right? Where you're kind of selected. And when you look at the list of people who are excluded from participation, um, it's appalling. It's, it's, uh, I, I can't apply to be on a grand jury. I'm considered political. All of my members, all of my elected members are, but also most people who join a Democratic club, like even socially, like grandma on the corner is considered too political. And all she did is like give $20 and write a few postcards too political um, to join, you know, and, and it's, it's like that seems off, you know, that doesn't seem like a good justification for deciding who can and can't do. And, and honestly, when you kind of look at who is excluded, a lot of the rules seem to be like, if you're black or brown and you're stepping up and you want to get involved, there's that extra barrier. They're finding that extra layer to say that you can't do it. You either have to either explicitly be under this heading or not that one. But honestly, none of us live exclusively under one heading or another. Yeah. So do you think this this is more of a, a false farce? of a process in terms of just saying like, we're just doing this board just to appease what you guys have been asking for. Cause originally we know that letter that was sent out, we would never ever do it. And I know I've received emails from them saying, well, we're doing this like a month, two months back. And so it's like, is this, I don't know, is it, is it going to be worth it? Or do you, or is it, do you feel like at least we're going in the right direction? like I, I'm always willing to try something but I want to see receipts right so I I, I do and I want to see to me it's like 
if it doesn't work and you have roadblocks, then I, then to me, it's proof that it doesn't work, you know, and at some point you got to, you know, I'm just the kind of person that's like, let me figure out a way around this and we're going to start something else before it gets to the end. But I'm constantly looking for receipts because I don't want to talk in theory about, you know, what if we just do something else, this, that. I would rather let's start this. And oh, by the way, look, I've got all these people assembled right here. I'm going to try something else because this isn't working. It's just easier while you have people fired up to do it. Um, you got to have people engaged. So I, I will always try. But if it doesn't work, then while everyone's trying, I have everybody's email addresses and we can try something else real quick. Yeah. Um, and in terms of that, uh, my, my last question on the local side, and, this, and you can take this nationally as well. What message would you like the voters to have? Because we're 20 odd days out, what, 24, 25 days out. What message would you like them to take away after hearing this concerning the Democratic Party and you know, that, that pitch. I mean, it's kind of starts as kind of the Michelle Obama thing. Vote, you bring a snack, stand in line, do what you got to do. I mean, honestly, I have to say for, for Riverside County, I feel good about the plan. I voted two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I went down to the registrar of voters. There was no line. Everything was Lysoled like crazy. It was clean. I was in and out in five, six minutes. You know, it was super easy. And then all the other sites are going to be open up um, in person sites. The 31st, there's, you know, 120 sites around the county. You can vote in person. 80 ballot locations. You can drop off your ballot. You can mail your ballot back in. But just do it. Get it done. Vote the entire ticket. Don't do it the last minute. Don't do it on your lunch break. Don't really don't do it on your lunch break. Regardless of where you live in the, in the country, don't map out hours. To getting it done both the entire thing there's 12 propositions it's a lot to research but do it because black and brown bodies are literally on the line in those propositions you got everything from you know cash bail is on the ballot of repealing affirmative action so we can actually have local jobs and we can actually say, look, you got to hire our kids in our communities, you know, and, and can't discriminate against our kids trying to get into college is on the ballot. You know, funding our schools is on the ballot. You know, better, more equitable funds in all of our neighborhoods is on the ballot. So vote the entire thing, get it done. And realistically speaking, try to get it done this week. Just get it done. Put out that just the same time you would put into doing your bills, put in that time, get your ballot, get it out, even if you're just mailing it back in. Uh, go to whereismyballot.sos.ca.gov, track your ballot. It literally tracks your ballot all the way through when they give you that final approval check done, you're in. Um, there are similar systems for that all over the country. In some parts of the country, it's harder than others. If you can track your ballot, track your ballot. North Carolina is having an insane time with throwing out ballots from black voters. They do have systems to track your ballot. Track your ballot, stay in line, do everything 100% the exact textbook way they need you. If they say bring ID, bring four forms of ID. Four of them. Just bring everything. Bring your house bill, bring you know everything, your driver's license, you got a passport, you got a military ID, bring them all. Think everything and just kind of get it done, but treat it like you are literally applying for a passport. Bring everything you got to do, stay as long as you need to, and just get it done because 
more importantly than who's in the White House, who's in whatever, we are on the ballot. This is just one of those years. This is a cycle where you're either going to go to a major depression and have a lot of problems, or we are going to start to climb out of this mess and have a different discussion. So just take the time, get it done, and let's have a different discussion. You know, I can't promise you easy. I can't promise you perfect. But what I can promise you is that if you put in that time and you just get it done and you do it as frustrating as it can be exactly the way they tell you to and just put that vote in and remember all of the barriers are putting in front of you. Once all our votes are counted and we're able to switch it, we can talk about something else. And I think we're all ready to talk about something else because then we can talk about the real conversations that we need to focus on. But just do it. Yeah. And if you're looking to vote for Biden, we need as many people out as possible because we don't want any any trickery in terms of let's go to the Supreme Court. We don't want a 2000 at all. Um, so where can the listeners follow either you or the Riverside County Democratic Party? Um, the best thing, actually, I, all the social media is practically me right now. I'm Riverside County Democratic Party. So if you follow us on Instagram at Riverside County Democrats, um, you can follow us on Facebook. Um, it's quite a fun one, too. Riverside County Democrats. Um, our Twitter handle is um, official RCDP. Um, we're super fun. I'm also on Twitter at, at Misty Sarad. I retweet some stuff. It's all good. Um, but yeah, you know, we have some fun memes, some fun things. We have a lot of great events. Stay tuned to those. Please especially stay tuned to our, our um, Facebook because after you vote, you got a phone bank. Like, we, we need phone bankers. Have those conversations. We need to be calling people all over this country and get people to vote, like, and to vote for not Trump. Vote for Biden. Make it a mandate for ourselves. It's a mandate for our rights. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you guys had some fun with the fly on top of Pence head, too, probably on your social media as well. So uh, that was a good one. Um, with, with that being said, I'll, I'll make sure I have the links um, in my show notes. But any final remarks that you would like to make? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to say, I mean, thanks, everyone, for staying engaged. Um, 2020 has been a lot. It's just been so much year and it seems like it keeps getting crazier, you know, all the time. But but the truth is that we need to just really stay focused and keep our eye on the prize. And the prize is to get some normalcy and some sanity back in this country and to help pull us all safely through COVID. And that requires change. Um, we are not going to be able to truly work on some of these, these changes unless we have good partners at the federal level. So we have to get rid of Trump. We have to get rid of all those senators, those Republican senators, so we can have some sanity and we can do some real work. We have to invest in people. Um, I will particularly ask you to invest in um, all of your local candidates. Just give them your support, all of your local Democratic candidates, because they're doing the work. They're doing the hard work. Um, we have a couple of people who are in some interesting seats that don't get enough love. Um, I will tell you, especially women of color, people tend to financially invest in them less. So if you see somebody you really like, you like the work they're doing, don't just give them a shout out or don't just go, oh, at a girl. Give them money. You know, give them $10, $20, because they're not getting it like the boys are getting. They're they're just they're doing entire races with shoe swing and trying. And um, I mean, quite frankly, 
one of the candidates I have running right now, she's running in a sundown town and she's a black woman. And I tell you, the bravery and respect I have for women like that, women like her who are running, and there are women like her running all over this country for those seats is immeasurable. So please just keep supporting, vote, and then call a whole lot of your friends and tell them they need to do the same thing. Just walk them right through it. Wow. Wow. Sundown. That's crazy. Um, and for those who may not know what Sundown Town is, go ahead and listen to the, to the episode Sundown Towns on this podcast. You'll learn a whole lot. Once again, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming. And yeah, appreciate you. Welcome to another Be Inspired moment. I wanted to use a quote from a political figure. This quote is not political, but it's really important. And it's from President Barack Obama. The future rewards those who press on. I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. I don't have time to complain. I'm going to press on. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what things may look like, you cannot stop. You cannot give up. You have to keep pressing on. Pressing means going forward, even if there's some type of obstacle, even though someone is pushing against me, it does not matter. So with that being said, 2020 is a tough year and it feels like we're perplexed on so many areas in our life and we feel pressed in so many areas in our lives and we're willing to give up and give out. I'm here to tell you, don't feel sorry. Don't complain. Don't give up. Keep your nose on the grindstone and keep chipping away that whatever you're seeking for, whatever you need, you will find, but you can only find it if you keep pressing on. My final thoughts are simple, that many people are telling us that this election is the election of our lifetime and the fight for the soul of America. With that being said, wherever you stand on the aisle, I highly suggest to vote. Vote early and make sure your voice is being heard. Don't stand by the side complaining. Don't stand um, idle and watch things happen, but be a part of it. Be a part of the change be a part of the process, and become informed. Do your research. Ask questions. Use that Google search that you always use. With that being said, remember, there's no bad days, only bad moments. You decide. And decide to have a good day. God bless. Came a long way, that's what the song said, and I could do all things, I could do all things, yeah, I could do all things, yeah, yeah, we came a long way, that's what the song said.